All right. Welcome back to Last Second Sports, where we are giving you our take down to the last second. And as I said, I've got my guy Rohan with me again today. He's been my partner in crime really all week. Rohan, how you doing, man? Oof. You know, we said during the off day yesterday, I thought we were we 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 thought we were gonna you know get a nice break from each other because we we don't like each other that much. Unfortunately, we went to lunch yesterday, so we did not get some time off. Come back, great 49ers football today. You know, we're having a a, a blast out here, really. But it was it was a fun day today. I mean, I thought that there was a lot that um, you know went down in in a very light practice. Uh, just to preface, light practice, a lot of players didn't suit up with playing team drills and so it was a light practice with a lot of rotation but interesting things definitely and a lot to uncover today yeah definitely and we were talking a little bit before we came on but we've both been there a while now you a little bit more than me we can start having some bigger picture conversations it doesn't just have to be limited to what we've seen today and we will talk about that but the bigger picture is really important as well i mean that's kind of why we're here right to try to get a grasp on what the heck's going on that being said i want to say what's up to some of the people in the chat what's up evelina ochoa we've got aaron weston yeah i know i'm late i'm late i gotcha uh i grant's not here so that's just not true bucko that's a great name by the way double b studios says he's watching this and the crocker show at the same time what's up dane what's up joe let's see we got joe uh jose sorry all right let's get into it man We've got some big picture stuff to talk about. And instead of normally we would start the show and we'd say, okay, what are some of the players that have stood out other than quarterback? Let's talk about players other than quarterback, but let's talk about some of these position battles. Some of these tight battles, you have running back, you have linebacker, you have who's going to start opposite of Bosa. What does the old line look like? Overall, kicker, hell, you could talk kicker. We've had some some position battles potentially there. Overall, what do you want to talk about with these position battles and who is standing out to you as far as possibly separating themselves throughout the time that you've been at camp? I mean, there's been a couple for sure. I think that there's, you know, a few positions that are definitely not devoid of talent. I think the first one, let's start on, let's start with the offense. The first one I've got to point out is running back because if I'm being honest, I can see five, maybe even six NFL caliber players at running back for a team that is a running back heavy team, but usually carries four running backs in this roster. And it's not only the back guys that are impressing me, it's some of the front guys that, you know, some you didn't expect necessarily to shine, some on the bubble, some it's, it's all over the roster that is impressing me. And a day like today, Christian McCaffrey didn't suit up. He had a veteran rest day, a scheduled one alongside Trent Williams, Elijah Mitchell, adductor strain. He's out one week. What does that mean? Jordan Mason, Tyron Davis-Price, those guys got the, the the split the first team reps today and got a good portion of reps. Kalen Laybourne saw second team reps, same with Ronald Awat. Those are the four guys that really have impressed me so far. And so I want to ask you, what have you seen from them in the practices you've been there? Um, what's kind of opened your eyes? What's kind of been there at the running back position? Yeah, it's definitely a deep position group i mean i think we knew that kind of going into things and really for me tdp was a guy that i looked at and said he he's got to fight for his life here coming off of last year he didn't do a ton lost some weight this year lost some fat i think he's actually gained weight but he looks slimmer looks better and i think he's done everything he can to make sure that he makes this roster in fact i would say he's been the most consistent running back not named CMC. CMC is just a different level. So let's not include him in this conversation. TDP has been the most consistent running back, in my opinion, the most consistent. And I think he's had some runs where he's looked very explosive as well, but I haven't seen him fumble the ball. He's been reliable. I mean, I think TDP's done a good job and probably cemented his spot, at least early on. A lot can happen. There's still, you know, preseason and those things, but there, you're right. I mean, gosh, today, Awat looks so good. We had uh, LeBorn looking good. Really, all the running backs look good. So it's going to be tough. I, that's why I ask, are, do any of them have 
situations in the past where maybe they've been kicking punt returners. Like maybe these are the types of things that we're looking at. Can they be gunners? Can we sneak them onto the practice squad? The 49ers do such a good job with a few position groups, linebacker being one of them, running back being the other, where it's like, man, how do you decipher who's who and how are they going to make this roster? And the ones that you cut, you know are going to end up somewhere else doing something for that team. So this is what the 49ers do. No surprise here. But TDP, who I thought was on the roster bubble, potentially fighting for his career with San Francisco going into this offseason, I think has done everything he can to put himself in a good position. Absolutely. Tyron Davis Price is one of the clearest winners of training camp, and it's only been a week, right? I think he's cemented his status as a guy who is likely now to make the roster instead of being a guy on the roster bubble to where you really have to worry if one of those backup guys have looked good. The flip side. The back of guys have looked good, but Tyree Davis Price is not looking behind his shoulder. He's coming here, uh, you know, he he's perfectly in shape. Like you said, seems like he lost weight, at least Chris Forster said. Lost weight, but gained muscle and gained, sorry, lost mass, but gained muscle and gained weight. And it seems he's up to, you know, he's up a few pounds too, and it doesn't look like it, but that just makes him stronger. And I mean, Davis Price is running with a mission. Jordan Mason, apart from the fumbles, has been really, really solid too. And this kind of just creates a an interesting dynamic at running back because Christian McCaffrey, is he's him, so you, you don't forget about him. But at the backup position, spoke with Vish Kumaran yesterday on my show, and we talked about the potential of a move for Elijah Mitchell because Mitchell, the unfortunate reality is he got injured again, an addict of strain, which is why I was questioning why I hadn't really seen him recently. Addict of strain. He's out one week. Uh, just another injury for Mitchell. And Mitchell was very solid too when he was on the field. But like you said, Davis Price arguably been the most consistent because Mason's had some fumble issues. Mitchell now with injury issues. It's cool though to see the 49ers maneuver through this running back situation. And at a time where I might not have been as comfortable moving on from Mitchell to begin the offseason or to begin training camp really because of the uncertainty around TDP and the desire to have three strong running backs on this group. I'm a little more comfortable with that notion should the 49ers pursue opportunities and potentially get a uh, a fifth round pick or something like that out of Elijah Mitchell in a trade. Absolutely. Let's move to another position group that I think is going to be highly contested as far as who's going to make the team. And that is wide receiver. This group here has been very interesting to me. So I think going into it, most people would say, all right, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Juan Jennings, probably Ray Ray. Those are your four. Who makes it after that and how many do they keep? I don't know. A lot of people said that they're only going to keep five. <laughs> Listen, if they're only keeping five, that's tough. I have no idea who the last one is. And that's why I always said, and, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I still think there might be this possibility that Jawan Jennings would have value on the trade market and that if another player could step up and show that maybe they could fill that role, that Jawan Jennings could be a player that you may trade to get some assets for because he's going to walk after this year most likely anyways. I think Ray Ray fits into that as well. So even though I would pencil them in to make the roster, I would say with guys like Conley has really stood out, Danny Gray the last couple of days has started to stand out, Tay Martin is standing out. Ronnie Bell. I mean, these guys are all flashing almost every day at this point. Now, guys that aren't going to make the team, it seems right now is very clear. Guys like Willie Sneed, Isaiah Winstead, who unfortunately got injured, and then Daz Newsom. But the other ones, you really could make a case thus far that any one of them could make the team. How do you see the wide receiver position, and do you agree with my assessment? Yeah, I mean, we just talked about the running backs where I made the argument you could carry five players at running back on this roster because of Laybourne, and there are six NFL caliber players with AWA in the mix. This is the same situation at receiver. I came into this offseason believing the 49ers are going to carry five receivers. I believed that it was going to be the same five as last year because Jawan Jennings, to me, I think the reason that he provides value to this team is the uniqueness of his skill set. He's a good blocker. He's a big-bodied receiver, which the 49ers necessarily don't have. The only other guy who's like 6'2", 6'3", is Tay Martin. And so when you look at this roster, that's why I initially thought it's the top five. Now I'm questioning, 
do they try and find a way to fit six onto this team? Or do if it's five, do they maneuver a trade? What do they what do they think? Because Chris Conley has stood out, but he he could also be a guy who you can fit onto the practice squad. You're Malik Turner of last year, the standout in camp over some guys, but he he can you know pass through because he's a veteran. He could be that guy. But then you've got Tay Martin, another guy who performed well last camp, performed well again this camp, had one really uh, one drop that really uh, on one day that kind of stood out. But apart from that, has been very, very solid. And he's a guy who will win one-on-one reps. I remember that. He's a guy who will just win one-on-one reps in general. He's a guy who stood out, caught another couple of passes today. And then, you know, Ronnie Bell, you, you invested a seventh-round pick in him this year. He's got draft capital to him. And so that that brings you seven players, really, or eight players that you could fit for five, six spots. A huge competition here. If I were still to go, I would my gut would be that they still carry five and it's the original five. The hope would be that you carry Tay Martin and um, Ronnie Bell onto the practice squad. But then again, you still like Chris Conley and are you going to carry three receivers on a 16 man practice squad? That could be where you fit in six and you go with two receivers on the practice squad, but it's the huge roster politics. The 49ers will have to face understanding that you can only really carry 53 and receiver is one of the positions where they've maybe minimized understanding the top end value and looking at the remainder of the roster with huge depth elsewhere as well. Yeah, most definitely. 209er says, how long will you be at training camp when he drives? Tomorrow's my last day. So I missed the first two days of camp and I'll miss the last two days. I got to get home and see the family. It's been a blast though. Really, really had a lot of fun. So I will get tomorrow in before I fly out. Excited for that one as well. And then Thomas says, Jesse, do you think whoever the starting quarterback is will affect the wide receivers that make the team? Looking at Danny Gray, I think that's a really good point. I do agree with Rohan, though, that I I think it's if they're only keeping five, it's Gray's job to lose. And Gray, again, I, I got to give a shout out to quite a few players, yeah. actually, because yeah. going into what I said, TDP, I thought was on the bubble. He shined. Danny Gray was on the bubble. I think he shined. Kinlaw was on the bubble. I think he shined. So all of these guys that I put as potential bubble pieces going into it, and you can understand why they would be on the bubble. All of them have done the best that they could do to make this roster so far from what I've seen. So again, early on, who knows how things change, but I would be proud of all of them as a coach and and just as a fan. I definitely enjoy watching them all really do the best they can do to make the roster. I, I tend to agree if I had to pick five that Gray would probably be the fifth and that they wouldn't trade somebody like Jennings or Ray Ray, but... I think everything's open to possibility at this point. I really do, especially especially when we talk running backs or or receivers. If any of these guys really can be kick returners, then it's like, okay, well, hold on. You've got a kick slash punt returner. Now, Ray Ray's role may not be as important, right? And so you could see a path for him possibly getting traded or cut, what have you. Not likely, but there is a path. So I think there's a lot of options out there. And these receivers have done a really, really good job. In fact, you know, sometimes we're watching them and, and you look at it and you say, uh, excuse me, was that was that Brandon Ayuk catching the ball? And it's Tamart. So <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's it's just kind of been the way that it's been, or it's Conley or or whoever. You know what I mean? So these guys have really stood out. They've really stood out, that position group. What other position group you want to talk about? I mean, those are the two big ones, but the other one that I'm really keeping an eye on, and I think we saw a little bit more today with the um with Drake Greenlaw not there is linebacker. Mm-hmm. Linebacker is another position group where I think there's an abundance of talent that especially the 49ers like, and there's only a few spots, right? Last year they carried five, or sorry, they carried six, but they carried Curtis Robinson, placed him on IR, and then you know released him um, once he caught back just because they had enough depth at the position. This year, Noah's Ezal Shire, but somehow this group still has so much talent that you're still questioning who's going to get cut. Like I said earlier, Dre Greenlaw, Fred Warner. Those two seem to be locks. Oren Burke seems to be a likely. But then you've got Marcelino McCrary Ball. You've got Curtis Robinson, the guy who they really like on special teams. You've got Demetrius Flanagan-Faust, another good special teamer. You've got D. Winters, and you've got Jalen Graham. 
all five players, I think you can make an argument at least to have a spot on the 53-man roster. And I think that that's what makes this group exciting. Because to me, the question at this group when it comes to cut down day and for the 49ers and their roster politics, do we want to do, are we afraid one of these guys gets lost on waivers? Or do we prioritize the value that special teams provides and what the win-now kind of mentality provides for the 49ers? Because there are certain players that are better equipped for certain roles, and that's what the 49ers have to balance. What have you seen from the linebackers so far? I, again, this is another position group. I think this position group we talk tight end we could talk about as well. But, man, okay, so how many did they keep last year? Do you remember? They kept six. They kept uh, Warner, Greenlaw, Alshire, Oren Burks, uh, Demetrius Flanagan Fouts, and then they also kept Curtis Robinson, ended up though moving him to IR. So it was essentially five when the real 53 was assembled. Man, okay. So based off of that, I don't know about you. Maybe you see a different. I would let go of Oren, Oren Burks, who is clearly a special uh, teams guy. I don't feel comfortable with him actually on the field. Not as comfortable as I would even some of these other guys, even some of these younger guys. You know, I, I definitely would feel, I, I want to see, for me, I want to see uh, Marcelino McCrary Ball get some run. D. Winters had an interception today, and he's looked good as well. I think that, uh, I haven't seen a lot from Curtis Robinson. Personally, you can tell me what you've seen from him. Uh, but I, I think... For me, if there's one that that I'm willing to let go, it would be Oren Burks if I feel like some of these other guys can can play special teams early on because I think the top-end talent is hard to pass up long-term. What do you think? To me, this is interesting because I think that this is the true battle of the 49ers and how much they value special teams versus the other. I think right now I would prefer to keep Warren Burks. I understand his value on the roster. And the guy that I would cut with the hope of bringing back on waivers or maybe even potentially find a trade if he has a really good preseason would be Demetrius Flanagan Fouls. I think those are your top two special teamers. Curtis Robinson comes in at third. And so those are your top two special teamers. I think with the value you have on this team, you've got to be able to more, uh, sacrifice one of them and hope that another player can come fill that role because Marcelino McCrary ball has stood out. We'll talk about standouts later, but he was a guy on my, uh, you know, that could have made my list today. Um, that just that closing speed because of how, you know, what type of player he is. He's a player that is a safety converted linebacker. He's got the closing speed of a safety. He's got good instincts, but he's also physical and he can match well in coverage. He's got the entire package. It's just, he needs reps to enhance his skills. He got, he got reps with the first team today. No Dre Greenlaw. That means Marcelino McCurry ball slides into that role. And so to me at the moment, I would probably lean towards those four as being on the roster in Fred Warner, Drake Greenlaw, Oren Burks, McCrary Ball. And as for that fifth one, that's really where the battle is. I would probably go between one of the rookies for the fifth one, have hopefully Curtis Robinson come again on the practice squad and have your true special teamers on the practice squad and potentially call them up, you know, two games for Robinson, two different games from uh, Demetrius Flanagan Fouds and rotate them in that way while having one of the rookies be inactive so that you'd have your special teamers on the field. Okay, so let's talk about one last position group then. Let's talk about tight end because I think that this is competitive as well. And, you know, for me, the way that I see it is, you know, George Kittle's an obvious cut. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so we got George Kittle. We've got some of the veterans in, in Warner and Dwelly. Uh, and then we got the young guys. We got Latu and we got Willis. So how many do they keep here, in your opinion? And then who are those guys Really, none of them have stood out until today, until right. today. And we'll talk, you know, we'll talk through that. But I, most of them really haven't stood out a ton other than obviously George Kittle. So what are your thoughts yeah. there? I mean, this is a battle where we've said to ourselves, can we really, let's see if this can really start to pick up. Because before, you know, the last two practices, we hadn't really seen much action with the backup tight ends apart from Kittle. Charlie Warner, Ross Dwelly, um, Cameron Latu, Braden Willis. You've got four guys here alongside George Kittle. So five total guys in the room. The 49ers have normally carried four tight ends, right? They carried four last year, and that's something that they've normally done. The one thought, though, I've had in my head, 
you've got a lot of good running backs on this team. You've also got a lot, good, a lot, uh, got got a lot of good receivers on this team. And personally, to me, I think the talent outweighs the forty uh, out outweighs tight end for the 49ers at receiver and running back. So I think there's an argument to be made that you could carry five running backs or you could carry six receivers and cut one of the tight ends and have them be a practice squad tight end for you. I think there's a good argument for that. And that if that's the scenario, that leaves four guys for two spots. Braden Willis has been my clear standout in the group, at least today. He had four catches, I believe, today. I will go back and chart, uh, uh, look at the chart as we talk about tight ends later. He was my clear standout, and he's going to be on my standouts list today. I think he's a guy who moves well, is able to – the most important thing to me is his sticky hands. I think he hasn't dropped a pass that I've seen much at all, and so he's moved well. He's been able to catch the ball well, and I think that that – you know, that skill set alongside his versatility and potential as a blocker, I think that that provides value leaving competition. And I'd assume Cameron Latu with his draft status also makes the team. I think that those two are the highlights. And if the 49ers do carry four, it's a Warner dwelly battle. And I have Warner kind of edging out. I think his blocking will be, you know, uh, much preferred for the 49ers, especially early in the season as they develop their young tight ends. Man, that's something that Grant's not going to want to hear. He is team dwelly and it might be over for his guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I do agree with you. I think your assessment's spot on. And really, I mean, four days that I've been there, no tight end has stood out or done much until today. And that was clearly Willis. We'll talk about him for sure. Okay, before we get on to the quarterbacks, let's talk to Double B Studios. He says, I don't think games will be decided on quarterback this season. It's stacked. I feel good about Purdy starting. If he goes down, I'm glad Trey is there to pick pick the uh, butt on. Wait, 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 wait. Trey is there to pick the butt, I don't know, on and bring the Lombardi home. Okay, so basically you're just saying that he can pick it up, okay. round out the rears, and, and bring it in. Okay, I got you. All right. Uh, Jesus says, enjoy a beer on me, Jess. Love the work that you put into this. Thank you so much, man. It's It's been really a lot of fun. It's, it's interesting because obviously – most of you follow me know that I've got two kids and I work full time and this is what I do because I'm passionate about it and I make a ton of time for it and I put really everything I can into it for one week. I feel like a full-time content creator and that's been an interesting uh, aspect here. So, all right, Rohan, I'm going to let you talk about quarterbacks first because they're doing construction upstairs. So we're going to switch to quarterbacks and then I'll allow you to kind of jump us off and talk through what you saw today. And then we'll talk big picture as well to round out the conversation. Let's start off with today because today was an interesting day. I honestly thought collectively all three quarterbacks combined, this was the best day that I saw of work. The one comparable day I believe was day four when Lance and Darnold both practiced, but I didn't, obviously Purdy was not there. Hence, this is why I believe today was the best collective day because I thought all three quarterbacks had positive things that they could have, uh, that they worked on today. Brock Purdy, he was six of nine today. Some really good solid throws, some misses that he wishes he has back. His first throw was a miss to an open Debo Samuel, about 15 to 20 yards down the field. It was on a crossing route, and Purdy just aired this a little too high. He just missed him, and it wasn't it wasn't necessarily that close. He missed him probably by three or four yards, a little high. And this is just a ball Purdy should just uh, he's just got to make. It was it wasn't necessarily that covered, but Purdy does bounce back. He made four consecutive throws. He hit Brandon Ayuk on about a 12 to 15 yard uh, play in a tight window. This might have been his best throw of the day. Purdy has really um, mastered this art of hitting throws between the windows, between the linebacker windows in that first and second window. He's able to use, he's got great timing with those throws and has really developed a rapport with Brandon Ayuk specifically on these throws where he's able to fit it in between the windows. And one might question it, right? Because he doesn't have the quickest uh, motion. He doesn't have the strongest arm, but he understands his own arm capacity and he's able to fit it in. This is something that I really liked about Purdy. Had a really nice throw about 15 yards to Brandon Ayuk or in was right on his tail had a screen pass to jordan mason had a um another hit to brandon Ayuk on a shorter ball about eight yards or so um that ambry thomas was in coverage and then another nice play to juan jennings to round out this set of plays which was a play action crosser to the left sideline 
uh, hit him for about 20 yards. So two intermediate to deep shots for Brock Purdy, one miss that he probably wishes he had back, but a good start. And then in the move the ball period, Purdy, uh, you know, Purdy had a solid, um, solid, solid uh, time too. another one small miss that I think he wishes he had back missed to Brandon Ayuk around 15 yards over the middle, just missed him wide on this throw. I think if he gets this, uh, you know, that's another throw where Brandon Ayuk's open. He's got to hit him wide um, or he's got to hit him, but missed wide. So two misses on open throws here. Um, but then he hit Jordan Mason on a nice check down to the flat, had a, uh, had a blitzer. George Odom coming right at him, was able to get that ball out, and it was a nice play um, in the move the ball period. Then hit Brandon Ayuk again um, between the windows on another play. This one was a shorter slant, not necessarily the 12 to 15 yards, a 5 to 7 yarder, and then missed Debo Samuel, one that he, I didn't necessarily hate the placement, but it was a ball that was short. Samuel had to turn around. The ball came uh, at his chest level, but uh, Samuel Womack made a nice play uh, and broke the pass up. If that ball is over the shoulder for Debo Samuel, that's a good, uh, you know, that's probably a deep 30 yard pass for a completion. But that's Purdy's day. He was six of nine, a variety of solid throws, a couple that he wishes he had back, which is why I grade him right in the middle at a B. What did you think about his performance today? No, I agree. It, what's interesting is. Like if if he had just made one more throw, probably could have been a B plus, right? Maybe two more. I, there was three throws for me that really would make it kind of an, an average day. He looked sharp, like he was hitting his short passes. He did have uh, you talked about his his best pass of the day. I agree with that, but he did have three that two of them you wouldn't really associate with Purdy normally. He lived in that intermediate area last year. These two throws were passes to wide open players and he just flat out missed them. And they were in the intermediate area, right in his wheelhouse, right over the middle of the field. These are throws that you would expect him to make. And he just, he wasn't on the money with them. And then he had the one deep down the sideline. I thought it was to, to Jennings. I thought I saw 15 and it looked a lot bigger than Debo. So I thought it was to Jennings. I heard some people say that they thought it was Debo, whoever it was, whether it was Jennings or Debo, they had a they had a a, a stride on Womack. They sh it, it could have been a completed pass. He underthrew it a bit. Now much different than the one a couple days ago where he threw it up the left sideline. He drew the pi, which was a good play, but it should have been a touchdown, and it was a clear underthrow by a good few yards. This was not like that. This was more like receiver has a step. You'd like to see him put it out in front, and it was more on their back shoulder. So that allowed Womack to recover and hit the ball away. So not the worst throw in the world, but you know, definitely one that he's he's got a hit going forward. And I, I think it was a good day for him. I think he was efficient overall. I think he had one hell of a throw that I agree with where it was kind of between two defenders over the middle. And he has some that he wishes he had back. So nothing spectacular, but certainly he didn't put the ball in harm's way like he has in a couple of the other practices. So I would give him a solid B for sure. How did you see Trey Lance's day? Trey Lance was an interesting, uh, interesting day. Started off really, really solid. Trey Lance was, um, you know, he started off the practice, I believe, three of four today. If you look at some of his passes, um, Lance was a guy who was targeting all aspects of the field. His first ball was a nice one to Willie Sneed. This one was one where it seemed like they were running some sort of, you know, uh, it seemed like zone coverage. And Lance found a sweet spot in the defense in between both safeties. The second safety was charging in. He was with the third string quarterback. I believe it was Miles Hartsfeld on the coverage. He was charging in. So if this ball is high, if this ball is off target, he probably, the receiver, Willie Sneed, probably gets hit. But this was 20 yards down the field. Lance positioned the ball low, allowed Willie Sneed to go and get it in front of him. And this ended up being a nice 20-yard completion. Probably Lance's best throw of the day. Then later on in practice, Lance on his, I believe, second drop back hit Tay Martin on a really nice 15-yard out. Um, Lance has really started to perfect this throw. This throw that requires good timing because the player, the receiver is going out to the sideline and he's able to throw it with anticipation. He's able to throw that ball on the money. It's a nice 15 yard out. And this was impressive to me a little more this year than last, because this year, when you talk about it, uh, I mean, last year, when you talked about it, Lance would miss these throws wide or high. That was an issue, a constant issue with Trey Lance. So good on him to hit this ball. 
did have a pass where he threw a ball behind a receiver, thought that he would have probably had uh, wanted to have that one bass back, and then hit a, a screen pass to Debo Samuel, identifying the pressure coming in. There was a free rusher, hit a nice screen pass to Debo Samuel with good touch, got the ball out quick. And so that ended his first session. He was three for four. In the move the ball period, though, this is where Lance saw some of his ups and downs, some of the bumps in the road, as his first pass in the move the ball period was an interception to D winners. It was intended for Tane Martin, it seemed. Um, you know, he was trying to get it was a high low. Kyle Shanahan broke down the play afterwards in uh, press conferences. It was a high load read. He was trying to hit Tay Martin. Seemed like the ball would have been just a little behind Tay Martin too had it been uh, thrown, but just didn't see D winners. And this one was one that Kyle Shanahan believed. Lance, a guy who wanted to push that ball down the field, try and fit it in that window, should have just checked down. And because there was the check down open, that was a poor decision there from Trey Lance, who just didn't see D winners for the interception. His first one, though, of practice. Next, uh, next up, Lance. He hit Braden Willis. This was a nice play, you know, a nice uh, play action. Rolled to his left, hit Willis coming across to the left. Willis made a nice catch near the sideline, gets five yards here. And then on the last play. Some might see it as a negative, but Lance's last incompletion was a third and four coming off play action, rolling to his right. Kerry Hyder, I believe, was the defender, was right in his face. And this one was going to be a sack. This was in move the ball on third and four. Instead of taking the sack, Lance throws the ball away, spikes it into the ground after moving out of the pocket so that he's able to, spikes it into the ground. And this one became an incompletion. And that was the end of practice. So again, Lance, okay day, some lows including the interception, a ball behind his receiver, but some real highs as well with the passes to Willie Sneed and the pass to Tay Martin as well. Yeah, most definitely. And I think that's why, you know, like you, again, people read completion percentage, but there's so much that goes into it. You know, the interception, certainly you can't have that. And that's why I put him, when I do my grades, you'll see there's a reason why I have him below the other quarterbacks because overall that interception is key. Even though he made again arguably the best throw of the day you look at the completion percentage maybe it was a little lower but one was a, a really good play to get rid of the ball because literally it was like soon as he like even flipped his shoulder around before he could even get halfway to setting himself defenders right in his face it's like well what do right. you do you get rid of the ball there so um that's why it can't just be all off a of completion percentage but definitely i agree with your assessment i think i think the hmm I don't know if I agree though on the throw because you said his best throw was that was the one over the middle, which was a great throw. But I think the other one was really good too, the one on the sideline. Oh, the Tay Martin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were both. Yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah. They were both good. An argument for both. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, but yeah, you you certainly can't have the pick, right? So, and that's why I'm going to give him the lowest grade of the three. I had so if we're keeping track so far, I had Purdy at a B. I have Lance at a B minus. And I think the best quarterback of the day was Sam Darnold. Why don't you walk us through his day? So I agree. I do believe Sam Darnold was the best quarterback today. And real quick, just for the context buying quarterbacks today, keep in mind today was a lighter practice. Um, a lot of play action was being installed. Not too much overall in terms of, um, you know, throwing. You'll see, I think the top thrower today was Brock Purdy with nine throws. Darnold had eight, Lance had eight. Not too much in terms of reps of throwing a lot more install on the run game today with a lighter practice overall and also just due to the nature of Christian McCaffrey not being there, Trent Williams not being there. And a couple of key players, I'd probably say six to eight players, did not practice today, including the injuries. So that's oh, let's talk. Let's talk about that for just a second because Go for it. I think I think a lot of people when at least in the beginning, and I thought the same thing. I'm like, God, Purdy's gonna be rolling out there with like some big players missing. Like, how's that gonna look? But really, we never got to see because what would happen was half the defense would flip out after a play, they would swap out. So they would run the ball. And then all of a sudden you've got like four starters on defense versus the rest of the number one is on offense. So it was, I, the reason I say this is because what's happening today was more reminiscent of prior to pads where literally every play receivers are rotating out defense is rotating out. So it was a very interesting practice from that standpoint, not one that we have seen during the padded practices up to this point because what we have seen is quarterback one with team number one versus team number one and that was not the case today i actually think that was a good decision 
by Kyle Shanahan and the coaching staff with guys like Trent Williams out, Aaron Banks, CMC. I would not want necessarily to see any of the quarterbacks behind the ones without those players going against the number one defense in the NFL. I don't think it would have been a fair assessment on any of them. Just to be real, I think it would have been a disaster. So I'm glad that they rotated out the way that they did because we were able to kind of see, all right, what does it look like? And I think all of them had a fair shot with with most of the receivers. The defense was good on some and not good on others, depending on who was out there. So I just wanted to touch on that before you got to uh, Sam Darnold. Yeah, and I mean, overall, again, this applies to all three quarterbacks, right? Because like like Jesse just said, there was significant rotation and the first team, you know, the first team overall was changed. So you saw Leroy Watson and Nick Sakel. We'll get to rotations in a bit. Well, you saw different players with the first team offensive line. You saw for different players with the first team defense overall. You saw, uh, and that just, you know, that changes up a lot of things. There's a lot of rotation going on during days that the 49ers install like this. Just wanted to provide that context overall for all quarterbacks because I had forgot to mention it early. But on to Sam Donald. Darnold started off the day, and he was the, he was the first quarterback um, to take second team reps. Again, does it really matter? No, because Lance and Darnold throughout the entire camp have really evenly split reps of second team reps in general and everything. Regardless of who starts, it's been an even split throughout. But Darnold started off his day, um, hit Charlie Warner on a screen uh, for his first loan completion, and then caught a groove a little bit, hit. Um, Brandon Ayuk on this eight yard kind of curl route and then rep the same exact type of route again with Ronnie Bell. He had Brandon Ayuk on this six to eight yard uh, route, seemed like a curl in a way. And then Ronnie Bell ran the exact same route at the exact same position. Darnold hit him again. So he started off three for three, a couple of shorter passes to begin his day. But then his really most impressive part came in the move the ball period. Darnold started off his move the ball period with a really nice ball to Danny Gray. Um, this ball was about 20 yards, and it was a pass where a, you know a defender in Ambry Thomas was behind him. Darnold didn't want to put that ball on uh, Gray's body. Instead, puts it high up for where his hands can catch it. Gray makes a really nice catch. It's a 20-yard ball on an in-breaking route with Thomas in coverage. Gets a first down out of that play. Then after a short run, which led to no yards, it's second and 10. Darnold hit Cameron Latu for a 10-yard pass off play action. This ended up getting the 49ers another first down. D. Winters was the one in coverage. Um, so a solid play there for Darnold, another play action play. And then on the ensuing play, Darnold hit Danny Gray for seven yards on a play action rollout to the other side. Rolled out to his left side this time, hit Gray crossing over to the left side. This got him seven yards. After a run from Tyree Davis Price on second down to get a first down, it's first and 10 once again. And this was Darnold's final play. He had led them all the way from, I believe it's the 25 or 35 yard line that they start, led them all the way to the 17 yard line inside the red zone. And Darnold got one final play with the uh, with the first team offense, it was in the, at the 17 yard line, a first and 10, and he overthrew Braden Willis in the back of the end zone, trying to fit it, fit in a tight, uh, you know, a ball into a tightly covered window with linebackers, D winners, and um, Demetrius Lang and fouls in good coverage. That ended Darnold's day. He ended six for eight. And the reason that I personally have Darnold as the highest graded quarterback, I didn't think any of them were necessarily bad decisions, or putting the ball in harm's way. This final ball is the one that you could really say potentially could have been, you know, uh, potentially could have been one of those plays that you you can question. But we'll get to maybe some context later on. But overall for Sam Darnold, I didn't think it was a bad day. Uh, I, I didn't think it was a bad day. Had one other incompletion that I missed. That one was to Braden Willis. Um, but that one was, you know, it was just a incompletion. It was not necessarily a drop. It was off the hands. Just a defender was in the area uh, on another play action rolling to his left. Interesting day for Sam Donald. Ton of play action and um, a six for eight day. I grade him at a B plus today. A couple of nice throws. Didn't necessarily hate too many of his throws either. Yeah, absolutely. I saw his day exactly the same. I mean, he wasn't. Again, it, it, actually, his day was similar to Purdy's, but without the the bad misses. Not didn't push the ball down the field a ton by any means or complete deep passes. Definitely hit the throws that were there. But out of the three quarterbacks, he didn't put the ball in harm's way ever or have any really bad misses. And so you have to give him the best grade. I agree with that. B plus is what I gave him. I do want to address some comments in the chat. And I've had a, a couple of people ask this, but 
people are asking, okay, well, who's moving the ball best during the move the balls? Well, today, none of them did a great job, I guess. Like nobody scored touchdowns, right? Uh, Sam probably did the best. We've seen uh, a couple days ago, it was Trey. Uh, yesterday, it was yeah. probably Brock. So it's like, it depends on the day. You know what I mean? They've all had their day where they've quote unquote shined as far as move the ball periods. And then when they do red zone, uh, some up and down days, like Donald's had one good day in the red zone and he had an awful day in the red zone. Um, Trey's been kind of consistently like number two in the red zone, depending on the quarterback. So it, it just depends. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I would normally put more emphasis on that, but there's such short periods and every day somebody else is shining in, in that area. So today would have been yeah. Darnold did the best, but it's not like he scored a touchdown. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, I agree. Darnold was the one. Um, so just for context, Darnold got the ball to the, uh, to the 17 yard line. So he got it inside the red zone, which was why he had the best uh, session. Purdy got it probably to around the 40 yard line before his final throw or the 45, I'd say before his final throw, which was that 30 yard incompletion. And then Lance obviously did not get to move the ball past the initial stage. He had a interception and then the three and out due to the throwaway on the spike on third and four. And so, you know, there's differences in the, in the move the ball period, but everyone's doing different. Like every day is different in terms of the move the ball period and things like that and how quarterbacks respond. Because I know when we first reported earlier this week, Trey Lance had the best move the ball session. That was probably one of his best, you know, sessions or series of throws that he had in, in, in camp in general on his eight of 10 day. And so that's that the, there are you you've got to understand that there's little different discrepancies every single day and the one thing that i do want to point out um actually no we'll we'll save it for our our final segment so we'll continue for it all right let's talk about quarterbacks as a whole not <laughs> in spaces they had an interesting like start bench cut i'm not going to go that way out of the practices you've been there which has been all of them i've only been there for four which quarterback would you say has been the best overall and who has been the second best overall right i mean this is a tough question in my opinion i've been there for five of the or six of the seven practices the only one was the close uh like the the, the closed practice that i wasn't there but of the practices that i've been there it's truly hard to determine who has been the best, who has been the worst, and things like that. I honestly think it's fairly even overall with the way the quarterback has, battle has gone. Because you've seen, like, for example, Sam Darnold has been – he was the most consistent quarterback, had one really poor day, and then back to fairly consistent today. Trey Lance has had some of the highest and some of the lows of uh, uh, of training camp while Brock Purdy you know he struggled initially and is sort of building back that confidence and getting back to where he was before if I were to uh if if I you know was forced to rate as as the quarterbacks as I as as I'd seen them I'd probably go with the same thing that I said last night I I do believe that Sam Darnold has been the best quarterback I would say I think he gets the slight edge over Trey Lance who is the second quarterback for me and I do believe Brock Purdy has been QB3 thus far um with the work that has already been put in obviously that can change in the week but i think that darnold added on to his consistency with another solid performance today barring that one bad day i think he's been the most consistent that earns him the top mark lance obviously his highs have been pretty solid and he's now stacked a few days of consistency overall and so i think he's there pretty at three yeah, and I haven't been there the whole time, so I can't speak to what you've seen. For me, I've been there for four days. Three of those days have been padded practices. And Trey Lance has had by far the best day out of out of those days. Sam Darnold, yeah, for sure. The first day of padded practices. Uh, Sam Darnold has had by far the worst day out of all those days. And because of that, I'm looking over my grades over the the whole time that I've been there. And although Trey hasn't been the best every day, he hasn't, I haven't graded him worse than a B minus. I've given him two B's, a B minus, and an A. To where Sam Darnold, I've he's been in the B B plus range, but he's also had the F. So I would have to put Trey above Sam. And then Brock would be, I think Brock and Sam, at least on the four days I've been there, have been close. I would go slightly uh Sam based off of my grades if I'm adding everything together, but it's it's actually really, really close. And then I would have Lance as a slight edge up so again it doesn't at the end of the day the 49ers are starting Brock Purdy you know what I mean so but it's I just want to talk about kind of big picture where 
we've seen things so far with the quarterback position and how we've seen it play out and also how two people can see maybe not necessarily fully different, but have things a little bit different based off of the context they've seen. Rohan's been there for two days that I was not there. And so just based off of my four practices, I have it slightly different and then Rohan, but it's all relatively close for sure. I agree. And I mean, overall to me, that's why I say it's been like, it's been closed and you guys can take that as you wish. Do you want, uh, because overall with, with different people seeing different things, when you're saying it's close, how, what does that tell you about the quarterback situation? Is that an indictment on the backups? Is that an indictment on the starters? Because in my personal opinion, while there have been now some solid days in a row, I don't think any of the quarterbacks have blown me away. I, I, I will say that. I personally don't believe any of the quarterbacks have blown me away with their practices. Now, have they taken what they've been given during those practices? Yes. But I have yet to see a quarterback blow me away. And, you know, that might be a bit more of an indictment on the starting quarterback because, you know, if, if you believe that right now he's the third compared to the two backups, and again, this is with the context that he's going up against the ones, different the, the QB two and three are going up against the twos. That is very important to note as well. But that could, you know, it's important to note the way that the quarterback situation is currently playing. In my opinion, it's probably underwhelmed a little bit compared to what fans have initially expected, hoping at least to see one of these guys truly break out and have that, you know, that star studded camp to at least provide some notion of who could be that answer. So I want to address this here because so out of the four days I've been here, I've given Trey the best grade one out of the four days, right? One out of the four days, I've said he's been the best quarterback on the field. Two of the days I've said Sam's been the best quarterback. One of the days I said Purdy. The only reason I didn't have Sam above Trey is because Sam got an F on one day. He was by far the worst quarterback one day. One of five. 0 for 3 during a red zone period and two near picks. So when you have somebody who was by far the best out of the four days I've seen and hasn't had any days where he was below a B minus, I mean, that's pretty consistent over my time. Now, Rohan has seen a bad practice from Trey Lance, which would probably knock him down in his, in his mark. So I'm not saying for all of camp. I haven't been there all of camp. I've been there for four days. The three pattern practices and the one practice prior. So for me, they are really loud right now. Um, for me, golly, the construction is crazy. Uh, for me, that's what I've seen. And I think I've been pretty damn fair with my instant reactions and saying who's been the best and who hasn't. Given Purdy one of those days, I've given Trey one of those days, and Sam two of those days. So, I mean, say what you want, but that's the way that I've seen it. And that's fair, right? Because Jesse has said he's now been there four days. He's been there days four, five, six, and seven. And if 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 I'm just looking at my own grades, right, for days four, five, six, and seven, and this is coming from a guy who personally objectively believes Sam Darnold's been the best, Trey Lance, I gave a B plus on day four, an A on day five, a B minus on day six, and a B minus today on day seven. The two real, like, you know, and day one wasn't even that low. It's just day two was a poor day for Trey Lance. I gave him a B on day one, and then a C minus on day two. And so that's, with that involved, and with the understanding that personally for Sam Darnold, he's just had a couple of, you know, I think he's been a little more consistent, even though he hasn't necessarily impressed. I personally still have Sam Darnold just a little higher. And again, like I said, it's, it's, it's our opinions based on what we've seen, but it's also... It, it's a different timeline that you're basing it off, and it's really close. Again, you can take as you wish because both of those guys have been competing with the QB twos and threes, and maybe that tells you more about the underwhelming aspect of the 49ers competition compared to what you might expect, but that's how it is at the moment. Yeah, and what I've seen over the course of four days is Trey Lance has pushed the ball consistently down the field more than the others. And he's had one pass, which happened to be today, the interception that he's put in harm's way to where Correct. Brock Purdy's put probably four balls or so in harm's way. Uh, Sam Darnold has put two or three in harm's way. So that's just the way that I've seen it over the course of that time. And I, I do, I value protecting the football. I think that's the number one thing, scoring points and protecting the football. And so for me, if you can't protect the football as well as some of the others, then I'm going to knock you down as well. So 
All right. Yeah. Double B Studio says that stick from the relay race. <laughs> nice. Uh, the the baton. Uh, Mui says, have to say this. Uh, have to say this was supposed to be a backup competition, but based on all the performances so far, should just be an all out competition. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is what's interesting about Brock Purdy. I do think he's going to start week one. I think he's earned that based off of last year. But I think week in and week out, he's going to have to continue to show that he's that guy. Because I do think Sam and Trey have both done a good enough job, at least so far, to to press the issue a little bit and say, hey, listen, we we deserve something here. Like, you, you spent a ton of draft picks on me. If I'm Trey Lanes, you spent a ton of draft picks on me. I'm still younger than Purdy. This is the best I've looked. I'm here. So you better continue to play good as a starter. And also, Sam, you went out and got me day one as fast as you could on free agency. I also was a top three pick in the NFL draft. I'm a little bit older. I do have more experience. I'm here. So Brock Purdy, based off of what we've seen last year, does deserve to be that guy. However, I think that he should feel enough pressure to where it may not be a competition movie, but it certainly is one of those things where he's got to continue to perform and show that he is unequivocally that guy as the season goes. If he puts together a couple rough games in a row, those conversations, especially from the people that saw the other two regularly during these training camp periods are going to remember this and say, Hey, hold on a second. There's two other guys here that might be pretty decent at what point do we not give them a chance? So I, I think that even though it's not a quote-unquote competition, that he feels that he needs to be competitive day in and day out. And I love that. He should feel that as the starting quarterback. I, I, I do agree. I mean, I, I think that overall, it's 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 interesting because we are maneuvering a new situation, right, where the quarterback that we are anointing quarterback one is coming back from an injury where you expect some rust, but you also hope for some like quick and sense of uh, development back to being the quarterback that he is. Understanding that one, it seems like he's that he's fully cleared, he's fully healthy. That's that's apparent. But two, the the heightened sense of urgency, not only because week one is you know a month away or something, but also because you've got two quarterbacks right on his tail. I'm not saying that they've got a good shot to start. I, I don't think that that's true at all. But I, you've got two quarterbacks in the room who the 49ers believe can at least start for them at some point. And so that's kind of something that I that, that you've you got to point out. Do I believe the 49ers are justified in giving Brock Purdy all of the quarterback one reps? Yes. What have I like to see a level of competition with the understanding that Purdy is, um, Purdy is quarterback one and you need to really overly impress to – to win that role, sure. I I would not have minded that. And now, with the the you know with a week in mind, I don't think that there's been an overwhelming quarterback performance to truly unseat Purdy as quarterback one in training camp. That's something that I believe is true. I I still think Purdy is firm in his quarterback one stance, and that can only change if something happens during the season, just because of how this battle has gone. But it is an interesting situation to monitor because now after training camp, you know, we get a, a couple more practices like this. But after training camp, we go to joint practices and he's going to face a live defense. He's going to face the first team defense of the Las Vegas Raiders. And then after that, you've got, he's probably going to play in one preseason game, maybe two preseason games, but then it's, you know, it's real live action. So that ramp up period is, is, is now. And so that's why it's tough to, to judge and grade because you know, how, how are we assuming where he is in that ramp up period and things like that? And where will he be at that point? Absolutely. Double B Studio says Ghost Whisperers buying Sam Darnold shoes for luck. Okay, nice. Niner Matt says best news all day was Allen got zero reps. Hallelujah. Finally. Finally. Golly. You know what's funny, actually, uh, is that before practice started, Rohan and I were like, okay, what's today's agenda? Today's agenda is Sam Darnold's going to be the best quarterback in practice. And that was going to be the agenda he pushed. And then my agenda was supposed to be that Trey Lance was. Uh, we're obviously just joking. And then Sam Darnold ended up being the best in practice. So there we go. I, I mean, uh, I, I can I can call it, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you, I have a good way of seeing it. 
Double B Studios, he's the ghost whisperer, if you're wondering. Uh, check on Grant. He might be spinning on an auger. All right. Uh, Ryan G. Hensley Show. What's up, Ryan? He says, Rohan seems sketchy in person. I agree. Super sketch, right? Oh, man. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You're <laughs> talking about me. I mean, you, you, did you meet this guy? This bearded fellow over here to my left? I mean, there's a reason that he stays <laughs> hidden over there in Florida, man. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Double B Studio says, Rohan, how tall are you? Five, I'm seven. about six, six, one, six, two. I'm, I'm six, two. <laughs> Jesse is near my height. <laughs> and uh, Tavarius says Trey and Darnold should be traded so that Purdy would not have to look over his shoulder if he has some bad games. I agree with Trey. This has kind of been my point is if Brock Purdy truly is your guy and he's your future, then remove Trey Lance from the equation because you don't want him to look over his shoulder. I look at Sam a little bit different. I look at Sam as a true backup quarterback in the sense that he's on a one-year deal. Really, the sample size we have from him is bigger than the others, but it's also not very good. So I look at him as more of a true backup quarterback type situation to where his Trey is literally younger than Brock Purdy and the 49ers spent a ton to go get Trey Lance, which makes that whole situation very interesting if you keep him on this roster. And then X, the chef, says, any standouts on the D-line not named Drake? Well, I mean, we can talk about maybe overall. Today, actually, the offensive line was really... Okay, let's let's get into observations. This This was one of my biggest observations, and I am shocked to say this. When you don't have your left tackle and your left guard there, I thought for sure it was going to be a horrifying scene along that offensive line. Dare I say that Leroy Watson had himself a day and Jason Poe also had himself a day, but they had themselves a day. The offensive line was better today than it, it has been throughout any of the days that I've been there by a wide margin. There was one play where they would have had a would-be sack on Trey Lance. He was able to get rid of the ball. That was the only play, actually twice, I think, a free runner got through, once on a blitz. But that, to me, was like the one play where you're like, uh-oh, that was not good. Overall, one of my observations today, offensive line really held up. And without Trent Williams and without Banks, who you would say, I think without a doubt are our two best offensive linemen. I mean, obviously we know Trent is, but I would say Banks is number two. The offensive line had its best day. I thought that was interesting. What's an observation very, for you, and what are your thoughts on that? I mean, very, very interesting overall, right? Like you would expect – I mean, we were looking at it, and initially I didn't think Brock Purdy was going to go. And so when when Jesse notices Trent out there, not like Trent not in uniform, and then we obviously saw Purdy. But like initially we were like, dang, the – quarterbacks are probably going to have you know they're going to get crushed today understanding that the last practice and the practice before were six and eight sacks respectively overall and today they impressed it wasn't just the first team it was overall i mean no sacks on the day the lone issue that i had with the offensive line was false starts there was a period where i charted four false starts overall there was a period where it was like three in a row two or three in a row and not all of them were on the offensive line either um a couple were on skill position players charlie warner i believe was accounted for one um and things like that but pass protection wise that was one of my standouts of the day Offensive line did well today. Leroy Watson was at left tackle with the first team. Jason Ponick, Sakel were with the second team. And because of the 49ers' limited nature at offensive line, Watson and Nick, uh, Nick Zakel, Jason Poe, they all got extended reps because they played with the first team and then half of the second team reps. And then the second or and then the third team played half of the second team and the third team reps. So they split it in a very interesting nature. But I thought it was a good sign because we haven't seen you don't get to see too much of the backup offensive line and things like that. You don't think too much of it. But to see guys like Nick Zakel, guys who the 49ers, you know, um, plan to be in the in the picture for a little bit of time and then Leroy Watson really got his first big test because it's his first day without Jalen Moore so he's uh getting extended extended run I thought it was a good day I thought the offensive line really uh came to play and that was a clear clear observation of mine you got any others on your mind finally 
Finally, we had a tight end sighting. Oh my gosh. Since what was it? Day two in practice, I think I've been saying I want to see a running back stand out. And I want actually day one. I want to see a running back stand out and I want to see a tight end stand out. Well, we saw running backs stand out immediately, and they've continued to do so. And we've talked about them throughout the course of this week. Day after day after day, I've said, I need to see a tight end do something. And none of them were. Not in one-on-ones were they standing out. Not in 11-on-11s. Literally nothing. Until today. Braden Willis was the star, I thought, of the day when it came to all the players because he had I, I I had four catches it could have been three I'd have to go back and look I, I want to say it was four but he was getting open consistently he was a safety blanket consistently throughout the day and for me that was huge to see because if he had continued to not perform and Latu continued not to perform and really all of them it would be like okay Sure, you're probably going to go with the rookies to make the team, but man, they can't show anything ever. We can't get them to flash once. Did we waste draft picks on these guys? And it was nice to see Willis not only flash today, but I think it was kind of the clear winner of the day, much like Drake Jackson was in day one. It wasn't as like big as Drake Jackson's day where he ran stride for stride with Elijah Mitchell down the field and was batting down passes. But for me... He was consistently the safety blanket for the quarterback. So I have to give Willis a shout out. That was a big observation. Yeah, I thought Braden Willis played well. And right now, in my opinion, he's the second best tight end on the team behind George Kittle. I I mean, again, it's small sample sizes. We haven't really seen much, but that's that's something important. And I thought that this is cool because Personally, I preferred Braden Willis over Cameron Latu at the draft time. I wanted to, and especially wondered who's going to be a little more pro ready come training camp. Latu did have a catch today. He did have a catch. It's not, it's important not to, you know, uh, just, uh, just let that slide. But Braden Willis right now is looking solid, uh, stacked two days in a row where I thought he was, you know, uh, I thought he uh, was the standout of the backup group. And so this is a good day, good time for Braden Willis at tight end. Was there anything else today that was random or just stood out to you? The main thing, I think, which is what we brushed up upon was the rotations, right? I mean, I pointed out the offensive line a little bit, but you saw everything rotate. And that's something that the 49ers do, uh, I think, a lot when they've got players starting. I mean, uh, players resting. You know, no no, uh, Drake Greenlaw today. Marcelino McCrary Ball was in there at linebacker. But Deshaun Gibson didn't play today. George Odom saw a lot of run with the ones. Um, other players who didn't play, Christian McCaffrey, which gave a good amount of reps to the backup running backs. Trent Williams obviously didn't play. And a couple of guys were limited. I don't know if we saw Kyle Juszczyk either uh, out there today. So there were there, you know, there was a good stretch of players that didn't play overall. And this when when this happens, right, you see, you saw Willie Steen, players like that coming in and playing with the first team offense. You saw Brandon Ayuk with the second third team at times. You just see a overall mix of rotations. The 49ers, what they've tried to do is give a fair shot to each of their three quarterbacks, and they've balanced it out because they now stagger their quarterbacks. They don't play Ward and Lenore at the same time now. They play Ward with um they play Ward with Samuel Womack, I believe, and Lenore with Ambry Thomas. And they flip them with the first and second team to now give, you know, their uh, the quarterbacks a little bit more fair of a shot. And you'll see, you know, some of the first team guys, you'll see them even linger to the second team and allow that to rotate. I thought that, that was kind of cool, you know, um allowing a lot more different players to play with each other and some new rotations out there too. Yeah, to answer your question, X the chef, uh, chef directly. No, nobody else stood out on the D line, at least not today. B Max says, "Can we talk about Bosa and how the O line is missing valuable training time against him?" Ooh, that's a good, good thought there. What are your thoughts on that one, Rowan? Yeah, but uh, I think that this is a an important topic, but I also think it could be a little overblown just because. Primarily when Nick Bosa lines up on the field in training camp, at least when I looked at it last year, there's one main guy that he lines up on. Well, there there will be two, but the primary guy he lines up, up against is Trent Williams because that's the battle that he gets the most out of. That's the battle Trent gets the most out of. So in one-on-one reps, you'll see Bosa versus Trent. And, um, you know, in, in team drills, you see Bosa versus Trent. Obviously, 
in different packages, you'll see Nick Bosa line up against the right tackle. And he did beat McGlinchey a couple of times, you know, uh, good last year. But that might be the biggest battle overall. But Nick Bosa is one of the players that will never go and play with the second team defense. And so I do think that this is important because, yeah, Trent's not going up against him. McKibbitt doesn't also get some reps against him. But I do think as well that this is something that um, – I think is a little lower, especially because they'll ramp Bosa up even in a regular training camp when he comes in. Still, obviously, hopefully, he comes into the fold sooner than later. He gets back in and starts ramping up a month before camp or season. Well, Max Crosby, that's all I got to say. They're going to see him an awful lot next week, so I think they're going to get plenty of reps against a very good pass rusher in his own right. Double B Studio said, could this QB room be traded for Josh Allen? I wish. I really wish that that was a possibility. Definitely. But no, there's 0% chance of that. All right, y'all. We want, we want an Allen in the room, right? Just uh, not Brandon. Not, not, yeah, well... It's clearly Brandon Allen's better than Josh Allen. We all know this. All right, y'all. Listen, I appreciate y'all for tapping in. We've got a ton of construction going up on above us. It is super loud. So I'm going to end this thing now. I think we got through everything. Rohan, it's been a pleasure all week, man. I We're not going to be able to do it tomorrow, most likely. So I just want to say thank you so much for joining me all week on the show. You've been fantastic. I love your thoughts, your opinions. I love that you bring an unbiased approach. And really make me sound credible because everybody knows that I'm a Trey Lance guy. <laughs> All right, y'all. Have a good one. Peace.